0: Uh, we're going to be in uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 9. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 27, and uh, is where we're going to get. We'll back up and we'll read in uh, 1 Samuel 9. And, uh, we'll begin in, back in verse number uh, uh, 24. And the cook took up the shoulder and that which was upon it and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, Behold, that which is left, set it before thee and eat. For this time, for unto this time hath it been kept for thee since I said, I have invited the people. So Saul did eat with Samuel that day. And when they were come down from the high place unto the city, Samuel communed with Saul upon the top of the house. And they rose early, and it came to pass about the spring of the day that Samuel called Saul to the top of the house, saying, Up that I may send thee away. And Saul rose and went out both of them, he and Samuel, abroad. And as they were going down to the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, bid thy servant pass on before us. And he passed on, I want to preach on this, he says, but but stand thou still a while, that I may show thee the word of God. Let's go ahead and we'll have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this evening and just uh, I pray God for your presence with us tonight. And God, I pray that uh, you would honor your word as your servant seeks to glorify you. And God I pray that you cleanse my mind and my heart and my lips and my tongue and uh, Lord help me to um, say only what uh, would be pleasing in thy sight and nothing beyond that, uh, Lord that it uh, wouldn't seek to be an offense, but uh, God might be an encouragement to your people and God we need to hear from you on high and uh, God we uh, just pray and ask you that uh, uh, you'd see fit to come down and meet with us this evening and Lord, not because we're anybody or because we are worthy or, uh, Lord, uh, but just because we love you and we appreciate you. And uh, Lord, even in this uh, wicked and untoward generation, God, we seek to see your face and, and we desire to add it, your your blessing upon uh, the reading of the word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to uh, bring bring a few thoughts out of this where Saul, uh, uh, Samuel tells Saul, but stand thou still a while, that I may show thee the word of God. You know, Saul uh, was definitely an interesting character in the Bible, and uh, no doubt dynamic in the eyes of the people. He was uh, head and shoulders above his peers, and and stood out in, in that sense. And uh, uh, they were at a time of rebellion against God and His Word, and uh, at a, a crossroads, if you will, at the time of the nation of Israel and. Uh, obviously, right before King David was set up and, uh, to be anointed king, and uh, Saul is anointed king. Uh, Samuel was uh, the spiritual leader, if you will, at the time, and uh, he had, uh, uh, up until this time, he had warned them about uh, anointing a, a, a ruler outside of God. And uh, naturally, God's people, uh, being stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart, they, uh, they, they rejected that. And they said, no, let us make us a king like all the other nations. Let us have one guy in charge. And, and Saul was the obvious choice outwardly appearing. Uh, he was a soldier. Uh, he was head and shoulders above everybody. And, uh, and he uh, probably good-looking, probably had charisma, uh, and yet... Uh, there were some clues along the way that somebody along the way should have said, hey, you better keep an eye on that guy. Uh, when, Saul, uh, when David later on had lined all the, all the, uh, the men up and uh, they, they were looking for Saul, they, they found him hiding among the stuff, it says, and that should have been a clue. Uh, David uh, uh, later on becomes king, but Saul is the king right before him. You know, listen, if there's one thing that God's people can do in this day and age is learn to stand still. Uh, people get saved and uh, the, they, they just get antsy and, and the, uh, the devil has a heyday with that. Uh, we live in a generation that's every, I want everything right now. Everything is, uh, if we go through the the drive through and it takes too long, we get angry. Uh, if something isn't right now when I want it, then I just don't want it. I, I lose interest and, and our attention span becomes shorter and shorter all the yeah, time. All right. and, uh, and that's not good for the child of God. Uh, God wants to teach us some things and sometimes sometimes it's the process itself that God wants to teach us. Um, There's been times in my life where uh, I knew that, uh, you know, I just felt like God wasn't maybe showing himself to me. And I I just, by faith, i just tried to keep my eyes on the Lord. Uh, I remember when I was praying for a wife, and uh, my wife was praying for a wife. We weren't married at the time. And I was praying for a wife, and I had prayed and and prayed. And I I went through three or four years of Bible college before I realized that, hey, I might not have prayed for a wife. Uh, I got saved, and uh, I, it wasn't the first thing in my mind to find a wife. I, my, I had enough things. I wanted to keep my eyes focused on Jesus Christ, and that's what I tried to fix my heart on. I just figured if, the, if I kept my eyes on him, he'd just give me what I needed. And then eventually, and you know, enough people in your ear telling you, this is what you need, this is what you need, this is what you need, I started to think, well, maybe I need a wife. And so I prayed about it for years, and uh, I, I just got to the point where I said, Lord, if you don't want me to be married, then I'm okay with that. I just, I want you. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> Within weeks, I met Nicole. If that long. It might have been the week. And uh, later on, I found out at the same time, uh, she had the same kind of prayer where uh, she just told Lord, she said, Lord, if you don't want me, married, uh, want me to be married, then I'm okay with that too. And we prayed that independently of one another not knowing each other. And The Lord put us together. You know what I had to do for a while is I had to learn to stand still. Listen, that wasn't fun. (laughs) Listen, you got enough societal pressures, young people today got enough societal pressures on you all the time that you, they, uh, they want to grow you up or make you act a certain way, and, and you got to do this, this, and this right now, and uh, young people want to have their mom and dad's possession that they worked a lifetime for when you're 16, 17, 18 years old. It doesn't work that way. It right. doesn't work that way. Amen. you know God wants to develop character in you, and that takes time. And Saul's telling Samuel, he says, Stand thou still a while, that I may show thee the word of God, <clears throat> One thing lacking in today's Christianity is mentorship. Uh, why? Why? Why is it that young people get saved and the first thing they do is, or they don't do, is go to an older Christian? Oftentimes, and they say, "Hey, what should I do here in this situation?" Or seek godly counsel. They go to YouTube. <laughs> that, that's what they do, right? Right? Guys like Stephen Anderson, online videos, and you know what they? And, and that's how. False doctrine gets into the church today. People get saved and they say, Hey, Siri, what's, what, should I, what kind of Bible should I read? <laughs> and then they just fly by night, stick their finger up in the air, and, and then they get carried about with every wind of doctrine. Amen. Hey, you know what you need to do is you just need to stand still for a while that you might get shown the Word of God. Some things are shown to, the, uh, to you through the Word of God by experience only. By experience only. You know, I've learned more about the Lord and uh, in, in in the, in the ways that he loves me of uh, being a father of three children than I ever learned in four years of Bible college. Just this week, uh, the other night, uh, actually, we went snow tubing, and, and I, I knew it was coming. I, I told my son, I said, uh, I, uh, I won't say who one of my sons, I said, listen, if you're going, you're going down the hill. I don't, you're not going to be afraid. You're going to be brave. You're going to do it. I said, okay, I can do it. So I said, "Okay, we get up there, and uh, and we we go up, we go down the hill, and uh, not a word was said about it." I said, "Were you scared?" He go, and and his response to me, he goes, "Yeah, but you were holding on to me, so I knew I'd be okay." There <laughs> you go. That's good preaching, right there. You know what, Christians, we uh, we forget that sometimes, yeah. don't we? <laughs> and I just thought, Lord, that's how you love me. <laughs> You know, we get caught up, and we get in, we, listen, God's never in a hurry, ever. God's always right on time, right on time. It's us that gets in a hurry. <laughs> sometimes I stop myself, and I get in a hurry, and I get in a rush, and I get in a feel. Uh, I'm just like, I got, I got this, 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 and this to do, and I've only got so many hours to do. I've got 28 hours worth of work to do, and I've got 24 hours to do in them. So I got to hurry. And then sometimes I just got to stop myself, and I just gotta <laughs> just got to say, Lord, you're not in a hurry. This is not that important. And you know what the tendency is, is we get in a hurry in that way and God's not in a hurry and so so unlike God that we are in that sense. You know, sometimes it's just good to stand still a while that I may show thee the word of God. You know, and look in Ephesians chapter 6 and hold your place there, but in Ephesians chapter 6, this is for a New Testament Christian. He says... Uh, in the book of Ephesians, and this is a well, well-known passage of Scripture, in Ephesians 6, he says, in verse number 11, he says, "...put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places." Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. You know, I want to show you something there, that truth always comes with standing for something. Amen. It always comes with standing for something. You know, in the, in the Bible, you gotta, if you're going to learn truth, you've got to stand still a while. Listen, if you recently got saved, one thing that's good for you, just stand still. Amen. You know why? Cuz stuff's going to come your way that you're not going to like. There's going to co- stuff come that, that l- listen, we we have just su- such a narcissistic society and graceless society that if you're not careful it'll impact you. Yeah. And anything that doesn't go your way or comes across you that you don't like, well, I just don't I just go I'll just find a new church. <laughs> irregardless of what the truth is. You know what? If you're going to learn to stand, it's going to have to be on truth. You know, when, when, uh, when, when the Lord uh, talks about the parable, of those, the two house builders, and he says, uh, one built upon a rock and one built upon the sand, the Lord let one of them build his whole house first. He didn't stop him at the first part. He said, okay, I'll let you build the whole house. But when the storms came, that's when the foundation showed what he's built upon. You know, the Bible says this. Listen, uh, you, you, might be on, you might be saved. You might be on your way to heaven. You might get some rewards. But Paul admonishes the Corinthians. He says that you're not going to win a crown and, except you strive lawfully. In other words, you break the rules, you get nothing. Now listen, as a Christian, we ought to take that to heart. You better learn to stand still. Why? Because it's easy. It's it's it takes godly character to stop in the midst of a storm and just stand still. Back into First Samuel chapter number nine. Uh, hold your place there and go flip over to verse twelve. Apparently, this was a problem not only with Saul, but here with Samuel 2 In verse number. 1 Samuel 12, verse 7, back up in verse 6, he says, And Samuel said unto the people, It is the Lord that advanced Moses and Aaron, and that brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still, that I may reason with you before the Lord of all the righteous acts of the Lord. You know, listen, people that that are hasty are going to be hasty to appoint the wrong kind of guy over top of them. Don't be hasty. Listen, we, we, that, that, that spirit of this age, that I want everything now, it's got to be instant, just in, instant information, instant access to so many things. Listen, all these young people, you got sin at, at your fingertips. It's gonna, you're going to have to be very careful. You're going to have to be very careful. You better not be quick to jump on the internet and uh, having, uh, having roast preacher for lunch. He said something you didn't like, and so I'm going to uh, slander him all over Twitter because I want to show everybody how godly I am. <laughs> you know, you ought to learn to stand still. Listen, uh, a couple points that that I think we can draw from the passage on how to stand still and learn from the things of God. Looking, uh back in 1 Samuel 9 verse 27. He says, Samuel's going down to the end of the city, uh, 927, uh, going down to the end of the uh, end of the city. Samuel said to Saul, bid thy servant pass on before us. And he passed on. In other words, I need to talk to you. Uh, just Samuel and Saul got alone. He says, I just I need to talk to you, just me and you. You know, so one thing you can learn is that you gotta learn to get alone. You gotta learn to get alone. You know, there's uh Nobody likes to be alone. You know, I, I can tell you from experience, some of the biggest times of growth in my Christian life was, it was just me and God. Amen. Amen. Me and God. Right. When I first got saved and I started, uh, when I got saved, I, I was so ignorant of the gospel and, and Christianity and, and church operation, it didn't occur to me that people would reject the gospel. I just thought if I told people they would get saved because it's obvious that you should. <laughs> And especially with the crowd that I ran with, and, and and it blew my socks off that when I got saved, that people would just fl- schluff sh- it off like it was no big deal, a free ticket to heaven. You don't want that. It, it just it floored me. I didn't understand why. So- it, it just it didn't. I didn't understand it. You know the uh, sometimes I would get mocked and, and ridiculed and made fun of by some of my friends and and to the point where they didn't all of a sudden I, did, I didn't have to say hey I don't want to be around you guys anymore they just quit inviting me around and you know I it, it got lonely you know I was used to having friends around and they didn't want me around anymore and uh, they didn't understand and uh, by and large a lot of the people close to me they didn't understand what trying to live for God meant and it got lonely but, you know, looking back at those times, though, I dealt with the, the lonely periods and, and the times of being alone and, th- and that urge to want to be around somebody. Listen, listen, young people deal with that every day. Young people get out of church because they get in a sinful relationship together, because they got that pressure on them, and they would rather be with somebody they don't even like than have to deal with being alone. But listen, God wants you to stand still a while. I want you to stand still a while. You know what I learned later on after I got married is I learned that uh, I appreciate my wife more today because of what I knew what it was like to live life without her. You know, it's you, you go through that alone period, and listen, everybody God uses in the Bible, he puts them through a period of alone time. Amen. Jeremiah puts him in a jail. Noah, by and large, who listened to no other in his family? Joseph, sold into slavery alone. Paul, at times he had Silas, but other times he was alone. You know, listen, these are people just like me and you, and they had those times where it was just them and God and God alone. And you know what? God had to put them through that period so that they can see that God is sufficient, He's able. You know, God wants you to stand still. That he might show you the word of God. Look in uh, look in cha- uh, Acts chapter number eight. Acts chapter number eight. You know you never see a flock of eagles. Very lonesome birds. But you know that eagle will fly to the highest crag of the rock and above the cra- uh, the, the the clouds and abro- above the predators. There's safety in height. But you know if you're gonna. ...live that kind of Christian life... ...it's often going to be alone... ...and the more and more wicked that this world gets... ...the more and more alone it's going to get. And you know what? If you don't draw close to the Lord and learn to stand still... ...you're going to be in trouble. I'm just here to warn you. Look in Acts chapter number 8 and verse number 37. And Philip said, "...if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest." And he answered and said, "...I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God." And he commanded the chariot to stand still... And they went both down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. But he tells that chariot to, verse 38, to stand still. You know, in the passage, for the sake of time, we're not going to read it, but in the passage you had this Ethiopian eunuch that was uh, rolling down uh, uh, the the road in a chariot. And he's sitting there reading the Bible of all things. I mean... uh, If you had had somebody reading anymore, that's impressive, but uh, let alone somebody reading the Bible that was religious, obviously, that took the time and effort to go all the way to Jerusalem and wasn't born again, and God notices that. And he, uh, uh, Philip comes in he asks him, he says, uh, do you understand what you read? And he said, uh, how, how can I accept? My, well, of course, what he should have said is, well, I'm the Ethiopian eunuch. I know everything. Of course, I know what that means. <laughs> but that's not his attitude. Amen. He said, well, how can I accept? Some man should guide me. And he tells him, and Philip says, and then he preached unto him, Jesus, you know the passage. And he says, I, I believe, with. Uh, if you believe with with.'" Uh, verse thirty-seven. Thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And what's he saying? Verse thirty-eight. In the chariot, commanded the chariot to stand still. And uh, my, when I was in school, they'd say, "Slow your roll." <laughs> this is the original. Slow your roll. You know, it when it when you're going to stand still to hear the word of God, you got to. It's going to require submission to the truth. It's going to cause you to slow your roll a little bit. Why? Because the Word of God has all kinds of warnings and admonitions for the Christian about uh, being careful and being cautious and uh, the steps that you take and the decisions that you make and how they can all have impact eternally. If you want an exciting life, live the Christian life. Everything matters. Everything matters. Every word you say, every thought you think, every action is recorded. That's an exciting life. If you want a meaningful life, And it requires submission to the truth. This this eunuch had came to the scripture and he said, "Well, I don't know what that means." And then, you know what? When somebody shows that kind of attitude, they're about to get some soon enlightenment. (laughs) And you know that's pretty rare. You ask somebody, "You saved?" Yeah, I'm saved. They couldn't tell you how or when or why or where. But this it's it's bred into our culture. You talk to somebody and you say, "Are you born again?" No, I'm going to hell. That's rare. But you know what? That's somebody that you can work with. I would prefer that. It requires submission to truth, and it requires you to slow your roll, if you will. One, uh, uh, look at uh, Job thirty-seven, fourteen. Job thirty-seven, fourteen. He says, "And hearken unto this, O Job. Stand still and consider the wondrous works of God." You know, it Job is such a it, it's a frustrating book. I can't read the book of, the whole book is Job starts out terrible, loses everything. None of us would volunteer for his his position. And then it follows with his friends just being silent for days. And then the whole rest of the book, by and large is them telling Job how he messed up and you must be guilty. <laughs> I mean, with friends like these. <laughs> and Job had some good friends. You know, you ever have somebody like that? You know, you make a mistake, right? And th- this friend always knows where you messed up. <laughs> it didn't work out the way you thought it would work out. Uh, Job had three of them. And uh, he had a low point. And he comes in he says, uh, and in this passage, this is Elihu, where he, he comes and he says, Hearken to this, O Job, stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Now the I feel I feel bad for Job because they just they rail on him for, for chapters, and Job defends himself the whole time. But right here, uh Elihu's starting to hit on something. He says, stand still. You say, Why is that? Because the next chapter, the Lord enters in. He says, verse 38 he says, and uh, 38:1, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Oh, my goodness, Job, I can't believe all these bad things happened to you. <laughs> oh, my goodness, Job, let me, let me pity you. I mean, Job, you got it pretty bad, right? I mean, if anybody had an excuse to be bitter against me, Job, it's you. And Job, you know, I just, I'm sorry for you. Is that how the Lord responds to him? Look what he says. Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man. <laughs> No pity. That's the Lord. You know, it, the Lord didn't give him a, a mushy poem. He said, Stra- "Straighten up, straighten up." You know, of all the passages where you would think the Lord would show pity to somebody, and he's he and listen. Right before the Lord shows up and he starts dealing with Job, Job is admonished to consider. Stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. The Lord shows up, listen, God shows up when we just stand still. We just stand still. You know, when I think we've all had cases where we just wondered where the Lord was at. You know, we, But, you know, Job, I think if anybody could have, could have felt that way. And he had three uh, uh, three fellows coming in and correcting him the whole time. But, you know, it's almost, I I almost picture in my mind's eye where the old radio operators where they had the headsets and they were just kind of plugging stuff in everywhere. And in my mind, it was almost like Job's friends were just trying to connect the dots where Job messed up all the time. And, And then finally, Elihu hit something there. And he says, Stand still. And guess what? When Job considered to stand still and see the wondrous works of God, the Lord shows up and starts dealing directly with Job. You know why the people, a lot of people miss the blessings of God? is And the message that God has for them is we just don't stand still. We're in a rush. We're in a hurry. And we don't consider the wondrous works of God. We, like many, are woe is me. Now listen, I I feel for folks, but you know what? The Lord the Lord didn't show him pity. He says gird up get gird up yourself. He's trying to show him something. He's trying to show him something. Then he asked Job a bunch of questions. And uh, lastly, look in uh 1st Samuel 17. And uh we'll be finished with this one, but in 1st Samuel 17 and you know the passage where David goes and Fights Goliath, and if anybody should have went after Goliath, it should have been Saul. Saul was the guy. He was the most equipped, but he was a coward. Verse 17 and verse number 50, you know the story. And so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, and smote the Philistines and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine. He, st- he stood... Listen. He stood where nobody else would stand. You know, you had this Philistine where he was cursing the armies of Israel, and uh, God's people were afraid. And David, just being a, a buddy youth, he he just he wasn't even supposed to be there to begin with. He just he got there because he followed his father's instructions. He got where he was supposed to be, and just the same, you and I, God will get us where we're supposed to be if we just follow God's instructions. And guess what? Sometimes God's instructions, our Father's instructions will lead you to a battle. And they're going to come. And David stands and of course you know he says, gives the great question, is there not a cause? Obviously the answer is yes. But David was the only one that had the courage to go after Goliath. And of course he slings the stones and then he goes after him but then after he kills him he He stands upon him, stood upon him. You know, that's where Saul was supposed to be. You know, maybe if Saul (laughs) hadn't been so hasty or uh, in uh, such a hurry or emotionally frantic or uh, uh, just maybe it just stood and listened to Samuel for a while longer, it might have been him. Should have been him. Amen. And you know... Later on, I think that's by and large why Saul was so jealous of David. Later on, because David stood where nobody else would stand. Listen, <clears throat> as a Christian, Jesus Christ has stood in your place. Amen. Listen, Amen. if any of us were, uh, if any of us got what we had coming to us, every one of us would be dead and in hell. Any of us deserve to die? Just as the the young man that uh had hung on the cross, he says, This man hath done nothing amiss, but he said, This guy is innocent. And he leans and he says to he asked him, he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. You know why? Because Jesus stood, and he stood the test. You know, when As a Christian, we ought to stand for some things. You know, Jesus Christ, you could say a a stand, of a a hot dog stand is a fixed position. As a Christian, we ought to be standing for some things, not being ashamed of them. Listen, can I ask you, through the week, do you get in a rush, in a hurry? (laughs) I think everybody in here could raise your hand. But you know what the Lord wants us to do? He says, stand still. Be, be in a fixed position. Listen, hold to the King James Bible. God's Word is not alterable. Right. Uh, truth yesterday is truth today, and it'll be truth tomorrow. Why should we make... That's, that's a stand. You know, G, uh, Martin Luther one time, uh, when he had protested the Roman Catholic Church, and he's, uh, uh, he was called before the, the court, and they were trying to uh, uh, kick him out of the Catholic Church, and uh, he had raised a whole lot of issues within the Catholic Church doctrine, and when he did, and uh, they, they called him before the council, and he said, "Let me have a, a day to pray about it," and, and answer accordingly, because at that time, if he had been kicked out of the Catholic Church, he would have, uh, he would have been excommunicated, as far as they were concerned, gone to hell. And he stands before that, that group, and they said, "How do you answer?" And he said, "Here I stand." He had fixed in his heart that he was going to stand with Jesus Christ. And come what may, listen, some things you've got to learn just by standing still, that you may learn the Word of God. Let's have a word of prayer and turn it over to Pastor. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for this truth. Pray you'd help us to stand still. Lord, when everything else is going on that uh, might distract us or might um, get us off course, God, may we... Stand still. Keep your people close to you. Help us to respond in a way that be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.